We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kearney. Something a little bit different this week. This is an interview that I did with Vin Blaine, who interviewed me for the his podcast on the sideline, talking about pressing. Just about 45 minutes, we discussed different aspects of the book that I've written. If you want to check out the book, please go ahead, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. Check it out there. Anything you agree with or disagree with, let me know at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. Appreciate you listening. This podcast is sponsored by the Miami Soccer Convention. They will hold their second annual Miami Soccer Convention on December 17th and 18th, 2020. It'll all be online. Go to soccerconvention.com to register and follow them on the Instagram at soccerconvention.com to get more information on the presenters and the lineup. Nicholas does a great job there. Highly recommend you go follow them and check it out. So, uh, morning, Gary. Morning, Ben. How are we doing? I'm great, man. Good to have you on. Great to be on. Uh, I know uh, I've, I've seen you written several books. Uh, we can't get into all of the books today. <laughs> but there's one interesting one that I, I, I see, I think, on, on pressing. That's an interesting topic for, for a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches just talk about pressing, but they use the word, I should say they use the word pressing. Yeah. If you listen to a coach in a game and all from their mouth is, oh, press, press, press. And I'm saying, oftentimes I ask coaches, have you ever trained um, your team to press and how, what's the methodology in pressing? So this is one of the areas I wanted to to um, look at first, because one of your things, I was, I was reading up in, in, in one of your profiles, right? And the, 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 the addressing the certain areas that coaches should, should, should uh, must pay attention to when, they, when they're developing a, a successful uh, pressing game. Take it from there for me, um, Gary, on that. Yeah, so f- first off, I would completely agree with you it's probably the inspiration behind the book was I felt that pressing was being looked at in a really superficial general way that people were just yelling it from the sideline but what mm. I was what I was kind of most uh, uh, I suppose frustrated with was when I was watching a lot of games over here at youth college even pro was I felt we were a bit reluctant to press uh, especially at the youth level when there's no real risk and stakes there. I thought mm. why we were reluctant to do it in talking to coaches where that you would normally hear that this, uh, well, we're not fit enough to press. We're not, you know. And that's just, right. I kind of want to go down a road where I wanted to link it all together where pressing has more to do with, yes, there's a physical component, but I believe the most important component is the intelligence 
the understanding of when to go, the understanding of angles, the understanding of individual roles, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And then alongside that, the the integration of culture, like can you be an aggressive press and team without having this uh, environment? And I think mm-hmm. that's what football has shown us today, that I, I don't think that's possible. I don't think you can have, even like Simeone's team aren't naturally a pressing team, mm-hmm. but they use their culture to to be defensively very, very strong. Klopp uses his culture. Klopp, yeah, Klopp, yes. um, Pep, Pep's a culture guy. He, you know, and, and that's where. Uh, so out of it, I wanted to get coaches to look at, yeah, some different practitioners. Uh, I definitely wasn't saying that I was the pressing king. If anything, I felt like some of my methods in the past what I wanted to address in the book held me back and, and I wanted to share that. So I wanted to get away from, hey, if we can't be successful in a really aggressive system and we just don't have the players to do it. No, you can train it. You can get better at it, but that involves you as well as a coach. Right, definitely. As I said, I, one interesting um, part of that, what you just said is about the angles because, the, the like, for instance, if a curved run, can assist with closing down that player and keeping them on one side of, of the field. But that's not, I've realized that a lot of times you, you find, especially attackers, the forwards, mm-hmm. they'll be running towards the, the, the ball and they, they stop and look around and there's no support for him. And, and it, it shows me that it, that was never trained. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that would be your take on that too? Yeah, I mean, that's the detail, right? Like if, mm-hmm. If you're if you're at the first floor in the lobby and everything is press press work work work, then you'll never get to the second or third floor where you get more detail, you get more nuances, and you get that. Eh, to be fair, the the coaching community is progressing now. You hear the language of of a common language, and you hear a language now of detail and depth. I think it goes it goes as long as you want it to go. But I think that yeah, I mean, there's again, like I would say, Simeone. Is, is a coach that is probably the best defensive coach in the world. And it's not really hard to find exercises and drills that show the detail that he... Right. There's a clip, I think it's uh, the new young Portuguese signing, uh, where he's he's literally at the top level, a yard, half a yard, getting you right, that body shape. You get that raw and the whole system crumbles. So again, if you go back to that, all right, so if that's... If that's not mastered, whose fault is that? And yeah, like I think we would all agree if you start 20 coaches in the room, I think probably 18, 19 of them would agree that that the coach can impact that there with the work they do during the week. And then if the player isn't listening to you, I still think that the coach can impact that. I still think that the coach can say, right, well, is there ways to get this player on board? Um, because I think pressing is the ultimate, it's the ultimate team system or like a Pep Guardiola's possession system is the ultimate system in possession pressing is the ultimate system out of possession because mm-hmm. if one person doesn't do their work for the team you're done they don't. so that's the detail so like you're right and I think that then I think the road to go down that of coaching that is where it's enjoyable like we mm-hmm. want to coach detail but in order for us to get to detail we have to embrace that there is a certain part of it that we have to stagger or tear our learning towards it. 
um, rather than just say it's fitness, it's running, blah blah blah. Right, and I want to discuss because you are saying that um, there are certain areas that coaches must address. But I want to ask you one thing because a lot of I see a lot of times we are pressing, the team is pressing. But what do you think about closing the passing lanes? Closing down the passing lanes is that isn't that important in the pressing overall pressing? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's you know, I think that's then working in uh, teams within teams, then working in second and third players that are you know, if one's going to the ball, two are. I, I learned more of it actually at the professional level because there, there were players who were more conditioned to block the passing lane. And I would have been more conditioned to take the risk. So in my conversation with those players, I'd be like, hey, take the risk, go, you'll force a mistake. They would say, you can see what the pass is going. You can see so they were, their perspective was different. And, and it was, to be honest, like I, I changed, I shifted quite a bit. I still would be, I still, like at most levels, I still think if you pressure, you either force backwards or you force a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and against a top player, they'll break it. But against a lot of players, you know, even at the top level, they struggle with it. So, yeah, the, the passing lanes are are very very important. Um, and again, if you're if you're pressing, I think I think the idea of pressing is compressing space. And the more numbers right. you can get around that space, then the easier it is to manipulate and control that space. But I mean, it, it is to a certain extent common sense if you're trying like. And Cruyff is the great phrase of, you know, make the field as big as possible in possession, make it small out of possession. And, right. But but you're right. To make it a small out of possession, you have to you have to control outlets. And those outlets can be passing lanes. And, and those are, again, the intricacies of pressing. Like you can, the better the opposition, the better chance they have of manipulating that and breaking it. And right. that's where the game becomes. And maybe that's at the top level where, you know, I don't think we see pressing as much over the last five years. And I think a lot of it is because the players are at the top level. Man City players are now passing into pressure, whereas 10 years ago, we were taught to pass, you know, keep away from pressure. And now players are playing into it because yeah. Silva's, De Bruyne's, they can break it and go. Um, it's pretty it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's a fact. Normally, we are taught to make a safe pass, but they're actually passing into pressure. To, to be honest with you, well, that that's the that's to me that's the next level, or and it's not the next level. A lot of teams are there or are are gone beyond that already. I think that's where you're teaching players to get to, for especially centre backs, where where we almost we have the tactics board and we have the two magnets and we tell them. To <laughs> but at the end of the day. <laughs> with with more teams not pressing and more teams dropping back, now yeah. those teams are going to say, right, well, you can pass back and forth to two centre-backs. And I actually just posted a, a blog on it today on my website to be, well, let's look at let's look at actually encouraging centre-backs to go to pressure. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to pressure now against a medium block, you're now initiating more decisions. and I And I think that's where... Again, Vin, my honest opinion is we, if you expose a team to more decisions, you actually have a better chance of exposing space. If you expose them to more running, I mean, is that really the answer? Like, that could go either way. But, but decisions are, you know, then you're asking, then you're exposing maybe that detail. 
If you're, ex- if you're just whacking the ball up and down the pitch and saying, run, 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 you're not exposing <laughs> decisions. You're just no. exposing them to chaos. And, right. and and anyone can win at that stage. So I think that's the that's the beauty of the game to where, I mean, Guardiola has, has mastered it 10, 15 years ago. The rest of us are, are just trying to play catch-up, it looks at this stage, where you're just trying to manipulate that space in and out of possession. I, I agree. I agree. What... <laughs> I want to speak to something for me. <clears throat> there is a, I think a lot of coaches get, get carried away with not, there is, there must be a trigger as to when you, when you, you're going to press. And the, who, maybe if, the, if, it, when the defense, when the attacker goes, maybe that's the time for you to go. But I'm just using that scenario. Mm. But um, what are some of the things, what's the approach should coaches take when they're training that? A, a, a pressing um, approach. Not well. Let, let's see the approach for the time being. But <clears throat> what is it that they, something that should be looking for? Because I know that um, the Barcelona, Barcelona doesn't. As long as they lose the ball, they're gone. And if you're not careful, you can get caught. Um, you know, with space behind you. But I think I'm. I want now to address this in particular for coaches who have no idea. And I, I, with, no, with no disrespect to the coaches, but they talk about pressing and pressing and pressing, you know, and there's no signal, I mean, let me call it a trigger to say, okay, this is where we press, you know, and so that's part of um, your, your the approach by the coach and, and, and the, the, the culture is there. Well, uh, Klopp, uh, Liverpool right now is, it has developed a culture. Mm. You know, Man City, same with, with, with Guardiola. Uh, Simeone, to me, I, I, what he did against Liverpool um, last week, or the, I think, was it last week? Yeah. What he did, did against Liverpool, sitting back, you know, but they're not allowing him to play, mm. you know, and it, 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 the result was, was evident. On that, I would, I would say not allowing them to play this little detail that, again, Liverpool should have won the game. Liverpool created chances. That's right. But, but there's a big difference in how, for me, there's a big difference in how Simeone absorbs pressure and mm-hmm. how Mourinho absorbs pressure. Right. And, and to me, Mourinho absorbs it in shape and structure, but uh, Simeone still absorbs pressure with a certain amount of... He, he pressures service... Nobody stands. Everyone works, and mm-hmm. so there's still. I still think there's a certain amount of aggression in that block. Yes, uh, maybe in that, and that's where I think. Uh, I mean, that's another conversation. Is do, does a block? If you play a low block and you you tell yourself to invite pressure, it's very then it's very then difficult. If you're a boxer and you're and you're going to sit on the ropes for a for a fight very, very difficult then to get a punch in because it contradicts your movements to be like, all right, well, and then you can almost be false sense of security. Well, we're okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we're okay. We're okay. Well, if someone strikes the ball for 25 yards, (laughs) you need pressure. But but go back to your, to your initial question. Um, I I I think that, I think where coaches uh, fall into a trap is that they only have the one trigger and the one trigger is when the goalkeeper has the ball. Mm -hmm. And that, and the problem with that is that that if you get your distances and angles wrong, and your timing wrong, and you press when the goalkeeper has it, and you you connect to your centre backs, 
then the goalkeeper sees pressure and he knocks the ball 60 yards up the pitch right you're done you have mm-hmm. you so there needs to be the detail there but i think they also the problem with that is the goalkeeper only kicks the ball out six seven times a, a half mm-hmm. so you're not going to get a, a return on that those pressing opportunities for that so going back to what we talked about initially with the detail was mm-hmm. that the more triggers you have then the more opportunities that you might get to to take advantage or get a return on your pressing i, I think the two center backs in possession i think uh, the the forward to initiate that pressure mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a one forward or two forward i think that's almost the easiest way to coach to get a, mm-hmm. a knock on effect i think full backs in possession um again Simeone's mastered it with that uh the wide pressure and and using the touch lane as a defender um but it is interesting what you're saying is that you said there about Barcelona just go 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 and I mm-hmm. do think there's a there's a sweet spot where if you've I, I've had coaches I've seen presentations where coaches have had 17 18 pressing triggers mm. and one bouncing ball and the other is a backwards pass mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like it looks Vin it looks brilliant on a PowerPoint but <laughs> you, know, you get on that pitch and you're different. Like, Oh, it's a different story. Hey, <laughs> and that's not that's not disrespect. So that you know, yeah. there is a, like anything, there's a balance between getting the clarity. You can mm-hmm. go too many, or you can only have one, and you can have too little. So it's about understanding that with your players. Yeah, that's, I agree to that. I, I'm going to go through <clears throat> some points that I've seen your, your outline when you were describing um, in the in the preamble for your book. Uh, pressing, and I want to I, I take this opportunity to um let my listeners know that um <clears throat> that Gary has written a book, several books, but the one we're discussing now that we're referring to and taking some pieces from is the book on pressing. And um, if you if we all go to modern soccer coach, that's 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 the um the site that uh Gary found founded, and it's very 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 interesting. You can you can get all your books there. But in particular, we're discussing um, we're discussing pressing. But uh, so so let's let's uh, look at a point that you you mentioned in in, in one of your preambles of, of uh, player player models. I'm gonna go. I just dis- give me an overview of what it is, um, and then we we, we will uh, I just have a little discussion around them. When you when you mentioned player models, explain that out, um, to, to to my listeners. You said part of it is a player model set. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the initial, I think the initial stage of, of coach education at the minute where it seems to be going is, is philosophy is a big, big part of it. But I think alongside philosophy is that I spoke to a group yesterday about philosophy and game models. And, and the problem with philosophy and game models is that it's very much collective based. Mm-hmm. So, the game of the four moments of the game are all, uh, I mean, they're pretty generic, like, you either have choices, but all the choices involves the team, and the team is important. But let's go back to detail, and the detail is about impacting individuals. So, you know, if you're a coach at the professional level, even at that level, I mean, we're I think we're starting to see a little shift. I think we're starting to see coaches that are creating better players, like Guardiola's made Sterling better, you know, like that, yeah. things like that. But but are we then looking at what we want from each position, what we need from each position. And if it's a case of I get to recruit my players or buy my players, then I think that's 
I mean, that's another thing. Like Liverpool's no yeah. secret. Liverpool's recruitment has been second to none. Spot on, yeah. Spot on, and it's yeah. and Manchester City's recruitment has been spot on, and mm-hmm. there's no secret at all. The Manchester United's recruitment over the last five years has been has been don't don't agree, no? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so but alongside that, if you're a coach that's saying, "All right, well, Gary, I'm a high school coach, or Gary, I'm a club coach. I don't have a checkbook, or nor can I have a pool of players to choose from." Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, can you create? profiles initially and then look to meet the player at least halfway there to say all right well johnny or susie is a is a left side of forward in order for us to play a certain game what do we need from that position and yeah we, we need we need certain amounts of there are physical attributes but the physical right. attributes are different from a center back and i think that's something that you know the the amount of sprints that that player is going to have to make and then can you look then and say all right well again you you said it before about angles the angles of pressure of a of a left forward are going to be different from the angles of pressure from a right forward. Mm-hmm. So are you training that? And that's where we've done a chapter in the book where, you know, again, coaches have different amounts of time, the luxury of time. Some some have more than others. But if you want to break this down and really get stuck in, then, you know, maybe you take two centre-backs and you, you take them for 20 minutes after a training session. Well, kicking the ball 20 yards back and forth to each other, you know, is not going to do it you know, and you want to so you want to make every moment count so you want to make right. it realistic to your model and i think scaling back or, or even going up a second third fourth floor as the analogy i would always use is 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 like yeah it's, it's levels it's levels and if you want right. to get better you got to get to the next level and i think level again chapter three or four was about positions and i think that's one of the levels you have to again to go back you you look at Bielsa and you look at he does a lot of work mm-hmm. on on micro moments of the game with those positions and we can say it's unopposed, we can say it's unrelated, but and I've been in professional environments and it works like when the players are comfortable doing work that they see value in, in on a Saturday. Right. You know, yeah. they do it, they do it. And if it if it gets them ten percent more comfortable, more confident, mm-hmm. and for me it's worth doing. Um so it, again, it's it's up to the coach, but I, I think it's something that it would be healthy if they considered. But um, critical to that uh, player model and the, or the game model are the uh, roles and responsibilities of each player. That basically what it comes down to, though. If you if you give them an, uh, if you give them their resp- their roles or what they what they're expected to do when, when we're pressing, that is critical to that 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 um, model. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the clarity of I pro, I suppose you have to identify that initially of you know for example then when when you're when you're pressing I think the biggest question is is well one of the biggest questions is you know are you going to show inside or outside at that wide forward are they going and that's something that again like we could it could be a five part podcast on the pros and cons but at yes. the end of the day <laughs> It's personal. For you might want them inside. I might want them outside. outside right, That's right. fine. But I think in your environment, you need the clarity of that structure. And then all of a sudden, you need to then do work beyond that structure. I do think then um, where science has a big role, and I think where science has a bigger role than what it's doing at the minute, is not counting GPS units and putting them up on a spreadsheet at the end of the week for nobody to look at. I think it's mm-hmm. for for 
the sports science department to see what the demands are for each position and for the demands are for each player and work around that. Mm-hmm. Could that be a starting point as opposed to, hey, Barcelona got into this red zone and that's where we need to get to? Like, I, I don't see that relevancy uh, in, in other teams, but that's that's just me being critical. <laughs> yeah, and it comes, down, I say it comes down to the player profiles too. As you, you, were mentioned, you mentioned that before. Because uh, I find that a lot of times we, we, we hear, as I, as I started out at the beginning, that, that coaches keep saying, press, 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 press. But you, 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 you're not seeing a system around that pressing, right? Yeah, and, and that's where I would even say that I, I had a chapter, I have a chapter in the book on, I have a little bit on Klopp, I have a little bit on Rogers, I have a little bit on uh, mm-hmm. Dorrance. And what I wanted to do there was not to say copy their models, but I wanted to give a little bit of depth in, the type of people that they are, because to your point, when someone says, you know, when you have a coach on the sideline shouting press, 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 or six seconds, six seconds, six seconds, right? They think that like they've got that <laughs> rationally, like they've heard that Pep does that or Klopp mm-hmm. does that, and they see mm-hmm. him on a on a Saturday doing that. But I said to a group of coaches yesterday in a workshop, I'm like, we've only got like. I, I do. I've done some coach education. Uh, what modern soccer coach have written of like I am looking under every rock for every amount of information. Mm-hmm. And then I think I can only get like five percent of what Liverpool do. So if 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 that surface level is five percent, then there's way beyond like standing on the show saying <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. don't, copy, don't copy that. I agree. Uh, that is something that I find a lot of young coaches and inexperienced coaches, maybe maybe experienced coaches, so I don't know. But I'm speaking from where I'm uh, in the culture I'm used to, is that we coach on the ball, but the players away from the ball. In, in the pressing, I think that's important. The, the player away from the ball. What is yeah. your take on that? Yeah, a hundred percent, and and it's a really interesting point, Ben, because mm-hmm. when we're coaching the player on the ball, we're also coaching from twenty yards average plus with a distance. So it's um, Marion Spacey, a, a coach with Southampton in England, I had a video that <laughs> I thought this was a great point. She was coaching it with a group of coaches on a pitch, and she was. She was all mic'd up, and she said that she she likened it to when the you know when the ball goes over the ball. Go, you're standing watching a game, and you think that the ball's going in the back of the net mm-hmm. uh, on TV, and the crowd are like, "Oh!" After, yeah. but then whenever you see the the replay, you realize that a, oh, oh, it was nowhere near twenty yards away. but hey. Yeah. But we don't take the same approach whenever we coach pressing or we coach something where a yard, a yard is a difference. And we're like, hey, uh, you could have got there. And Mm -hmm. the the player has to say yes or else they're going to get taken off. So I think to help that there, I think video is so important for the coach to go back and say. And and this is what I've learned over the last five years is what I experience on a Saturday or a Wednesday it's so emotionally driven that when I go back and watch it, it can almost be a different game. So sure, sure. when I go back and connect with that player, I have to have empathy that they're playing in a game that 
maybe I'm not seeing an accurate representation of. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're watching and getting these pictures and making our assessments, we have to make sure that there's accuracy and detail in these assessments. And I think video is really, really important to do that. So let's just take a quick break here. The second edition of the Miami Soccer Convention is coming on December 17th and 18th, 2020, completely online. Go to soccerconvention.com or at soccerconvention on Instagram to get more information. This week, they will start unveiling the top tier of presenters that include former and current experienced coaches working in MLS, national teams, top South American clubs, former Copa Sudamerica champions and also a former player with Champions League and Italian national team experience from such teams as AC Milan and Juventus. Go to soccerconvention.com or at soccerconvention on Instagram to register and find out more information. You made, you made a valid point there about the distance between the, player, the pressing player and the player on the ball. I never, I never uh, really thought about it that way from a coaching perspective from that distance because it's true. From where you're standing, the distance looks, the perspective looks a little bit um, shorter. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's important that I, as long as we, I think as long as we coach, um, the, 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 I want to, I, I, I'm going to use principles just for, for, for the want of a word right now to, of, of pressing. You know, I think what I see challenging is that players will make a run straight to the, the, the player and give him an option to go either side of him. Instead of looking where the ball is and they made a curve run, close him down, you don't have to get close to him. So I think that initial run is important. Yeah, the levels of or the, you know, it, it's looking at press and actions on a spectrum rather than as a binary you did or you didn't. And right. we see on on one end of the spectrum, you've got the charge and then a touch either side and you're beaten and you're out of the game. And then on the other side, you've got the player who just doesn't go at all. But in, mm-hmm. in the middle, it's where you need to get to impact. Like, And I think that's, again, that's what I've written in the book. As a coach, you have to define what you perceive as pressure. So, like, mm-hmm. for me, what I would perceive as pressure, and this is what I would say on the first day, you know, those non-negotiables, like on the first day of training, I'm not going to waste 45 minutes doing a 1v1 exercise. You can identify it in two minutes. You can say, listen, mm-hmm. everyone, this is what I, I, when I say pressure, it is touch tight, and, and it is this is the body shape I'm looking for the opposition. It's mm-hmm. close enough that they put their head down. Down, yeah. Why do we want their head down? We want to remove the visuals that they can make a decision. So now mm-hmm. once the head goes down, and then now this is this is what we're looking for. And once the step goes negative, mm-hmm. now that's when we can make an aggressive tackle. If if you're if you're coming, and then you can you can build in the principles towards that into game based training rather mm-hmm. than again like I, I've written a fair bit over the last six months one v one. 1v1 training with no context of uh, positions on the picture or of people is, is mindless. Like, it's it's not enough detail. It may be good for five, six-year-olds, mm-hmm. not for, for 16-year-olds. Because you, you, you have the person with the ball has no options. And that, 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 that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, there's no decision. Like, no decision, stop, right. Stop the player. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it actually favours the defender. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. But, 
someone's doing, and it baffles me because a lot of teams put out first day of pre-season, you know, they'll put out a little video and, I, and I'm all over it because I want to see what people are doing. But mm-hmm. it, it actually, like, it, it baffles me that you would do, the coach is saying, you know, it's about our, de- it's about our detail. We, you know, it's 1v1, 1v1, and we got to mm-hmm. get our detail right. And then walks away saying, oh, what do you think of the session, coach? Yeah, it's got defending was really good today. And you're like, <laughs> chance to the forward yeah. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but again, then that's where we need, as a coaching, and we're getting better, we're getting better. But as a coaching community, we need to have higher standards in our detail because we like throwing it around and saying to our players that we need to be detailed. But if that's going to be the case, the same applies to us. We have to design sessions that are that are consistent with or complement how we want to play. And mm-hmm. again, similar to do you show them inside or outside, your session should be somewhat different from my sessions because right. you, you have a different philosophy and that's fine. You know, that I think that's the way it goes around. But I think there's a right or wrong way in like the detail that you can get to. I think that's where the fun is. Right, the certain things you pay attention to, and that's why um, I come to a point now where we okay, we are pressing, right? We are pressing. What are some of the and we and 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 I think the mistake that coaches make they they they, they coach pressing this aggressive pressing, but what are some of the safeguards you take now? When are you when you're pressing, what are some of the things you should safeguard against when you're pressing now because it's, it's game related now, it's got it's okay. game related now. So when you are pressing, what are the things that we should we should be cognizant of when we're pressing? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean the biggest one for me is is actually how the moments interact with one another. So how much how you're attacking organization. Mm-hmm. So if you're a direct team, um, and and say it goes from you know the goalkeeper bounces the ball three times and smacks it up the field 60, 70 yards, and, and you ask your centre forward to press, and then you ask everyone else to go, well, that, that that ball is, you've actually lost control of that ball, and you haven't moved your team up the pitch, so you're not in a good position initially to press, and then you're on the front foot going forward. Like, you're going to get hit with space in behind. Behind. So, right. again, I think it's, Juan uh, Marlillo says that, the quicker it goes forward, the quicker it goes back. So mm-hmm. if you're going to press, understand how the different moments relate to one another. Right. Uh, and I think as well, it, are you going to press? I think we're now at a time where the, the new goalkeeper or the new goalkeeper rule is the with the passing has changed. So we're now at a time where you're not going to press for 90 minutes, you know, because mm-hmm. as much as you want to be a pressing team, if you're 2-0 if you're up with 10 minutes to go, then it would be, uh, it may not be the smartest move. So, can you be adaptable and flexible in your systems? Um, how many defensive systems have you? How do you communicate them? How much do the players understand them? And I think we talk a lot about flexibility in the attacking side of the ball. And I think it has a real relevance on the defensive side of the ball as well. So it's like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to generalize it, and you don't want to go too much to where your uh, your players only have basically one thing like Barcelona can defend in a low block um, they're Barcelona and <laughs> exactly your team might, to do, might need to do it as well so, and there's nothing wrong with that so it's just yeah. it's just a case of being open um, and asking yourself questions and again 
I think it's a healthy habit for a coach to build is that, you know, that, that the coach helps to solve the problems with the players, not to right. say that, you know what, you know, I'm going to bring in a fitness coach. Or I'm going to do a, uh, two fitness sessions a week. We'll be able to press because that's not going to work mm-hmm. because that again, back to the detail, that's not going to happen. So again, it's, it's, it's zooming out and kind of taking all these different contexts into place. If your team, do, if your team can't stand each other, mm-hmm. They're not going to work for one another, and, and how much of pressing revolves, you know, if, if it's a lone forward in a four-three-three, and it's against a back four, that that mm-hmm. centre forward is not going to win the ball. That exactly. centre forward's job is to dictate the play, so they're helping somebody else become successful. Well, if the centre forward and the number eleven or the number seven can't stand each other, is that going to work? <laughs> no, no support. <laughs> and as well, like it's. Uh, I think I think th- I think something that we don't look at is that we see it from, and I've even talked a lot of it on this podcast. Is mm-hmm. we talk a lot of it about front players press, and you know it's a front player. It's so much on the front player. But if if those defenders aren't aren't used or aren't confident in space in behind, and those defenders aren't used to defending, like every defender can defend a goal, no problem. But I think to press, you need them to defend the halfway line. Like you need them to to be comfortable enough with space in behind. So you need defenders that are that are brave in possession now in the game, and you need defenders who are brave out of possession if you want to press. Exactly, but and also you you the there's a point I want to to to, um, to to come to just now. Oh yeah, when you were talking, we came we came back to the runs that the four to make that four um, even three defenders with one forward. And trying to press, he'll never win the ball, for sure. And you made a point which uh, I think we I would want to 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 um, to see again that 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 coaches will understand is the the role of the lone attacker is to influence the where the where, where the play goes. So 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 then we can we can press in that area. So he has to get the player to play. It's uh, the goalkeeper is one of the, one, one of the um, examples. When yeah. they're running to the goalkeeper, they're going. They never study what leg the goalkeeper uses. His dominant leg, right foot. And so they they are running to, you know, to the to to the to the um, to the his strong side. And you want to you want to ch- channel him aware in, in an area where it's predictable. Yeah. That that's that's part of the um, the, the approach, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right. And as know much, that. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, as much as again, you, you're taking away, you're, you're you're now dictating in both of those situations. You're now dictating. So even though you don't have control of the ball, mm-hmm. you potentially have control of the game because you're yeah. dictating where the ball will go. The goal. Your yeah. Areas, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, in all of this, I see you have. What does scouting? Has to do with pressing. What does it has? Uh, I, 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 you're saying a scouting system. Mm. So you have a pressing game, and I, I, I want you to, 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 um, to explain why that is important. When you're scouting, no, it's, it's part of your pressing is, is a scouting. Is that, does it mean that you're looking at a team? Is it are there a team that you should press your your their inferior team? So you can uh, you can always press. Are uh, you going to press a Barcelona? Mm-hmm. 
you know, as whether you'd press a, yeah. <laughs> another thing, you know? Yeah. So is, what, is that scouting relating to that? that yeah. You were talk, that you were yeah. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think with players, again, uh, is, is with the book we wanted to challenge was like it's a, it's a game of intelligence. It's a game of decisions. So it's a game of information um, as a coach to get that information across. And the more information you have, the more information uh, will be relevant to, to helping your team. And I think, again, the amount of the amount of decisions on a Saturday, and again, you can do it on a, and I'm sure if a team plays a back three, it's going to be a, it's going to be a different mm -hmm. uh, pressing system to, uh, to, two, uh, sorry, two centre backs or a back four, or, um, you know, if, if it's a four, two, three, one, are they, are they building with two holders? How are you going to, and, and these aren't something that I don't think it's something that you, you necessarily, as a youth coach or a high school coach, you need to get bogged down with. But I do think that the, again, back to that flexibility is that uh, you know you do have you do have to have players who understand where the problems are. And again, it's easy for me to say, listen, defenders need to be need to be comfortable up at the halfway line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If there's two flying forward that are looking at getting the rollers, uh, yeah, they might not be as comfortable. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the higher the levels, I think again back to the back to the recruitment side. I think the more in Liverpool, like again, even even I experienced it at Red Stars, was the more information that you can give the player prior to the team on the build, then that's usually a pretty good. Uh, like they want that information because they want to know how it's going to feel, and. Mm -hmm. And again, with teams being more flexible in the build, now that they might have a back four, but the six might drop in and it becomes a three every now and again. And mm -hmm. so, But it doesn't happen all the time. So what do we do if it doesn't? And, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think even even with the flexibility of a, of a six dropping in between fullback and centre-back, what happens then? What if teams are going to overload one side? How do we react to that? So, yeah, I think I think a coach can really help themselves by doing some homework if they can. If not, then maybe it's a case of, listen, we know how to press against a back four, a back right. three, four, four, two, a four, whatever it is. Um, it's, it might just be a coach calling it or, or it might even be um, a coach empowering the players to do it, which is it would be a great social experiment to say, listen, then, you know, Johnny, what do we do? Um, you'd have to have a lot of confidence in your players, but it'd be a fun one. Yes. You, the... the one area is the scouting can also isolate a player who has to take two, three touches of the ball. Now, we're talking to the lower level now. Um, and so you can say, okay, when, that, when this player gets the ball, he's going he's to take two, three touches before he can move the ball. So that's the trigger. You, you induce a pass to him, to that player or her, and then that's the time I want you to press because he's, he's going to panic. Yes. So I think that's coming with the scouting too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like no one who's again the detail there is like okay, there's there's collective scouting on the, on the opposition teams, and then there's <laughs> there's the individuals as they right. profile them. Yeah, I would say if you're going to do it, like you said there, it's it's information like that that's important. That mm -hmm. I would I would try and I would try and be as as clear as possible, but also like don't generalize. Such and such is good, or such and such has a great left foot, or right. you know. Little tendencies, just a little mm -hmm. thing, because we've all played the game and nobody plays it with they're quick, they're fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's only one thing <laughs> in mind, really, sometimes.
<laughs> I understand. All right, let, let me just touch a couple of the points. And uh, two points in one, really. The philosophy of the coach, right, will we'll, we'll influence the culture. Yeah. So, but, so that's why I'm saying it's very important that he builds a philosophy, right? This is what, uh, this is my approach to the game. Or she, or she builds the philosophy. Or she, yeah. And, and um, I think that has a lot to do with it because you can definitely see that Klopp, Klopp whether he continues next year like that is, is another thing. If he's, if, if he's going to continue with his approach to pressing and winning back the ball right away, Pep Guardiola is, has a definitely definite system that he uses. It's from every, every, every club that, that he goes to. You can see that. Right? So we have to safeguard against when we press, you know, uh, where do we press? Is that some of the things that we should the, the coaches should look for? When, where, and why? If you if you if it's a, if that if I can break it down like that. Yeah, yeah, and and I think again, not only has Klopp got a philosophy, but I think the consistency across yes. the board. I interviewed the the throw-in coach last week for from a podcast. The, the way he talked about Liverpool and their environment was. You know that they're good people. That they're that it's collaborative. That you would almost be, you could almost de- describe a pressing system. It's collaborative. People care about one another. People work hard. There's high standards. So I think what what Klopp and what uh, Pep have done off the pitch as leaders, I think probably doesn't get enough credit with the fact that they are managing. Like there's a picture of the community shield with Guardiola with twenty I counted twenty-eight staff members and there was yeah. people, <laughs> so people kind of squeeze into the picture. So like forget about forget about Aguero and forget about mm-hmm. Aguero. talk about egos. Like I would say out of twenty-eight practitioners, there must be twenty-five of them would have big egos because they're the best in their their area. Yes. So you not only have to communicate with top players, you mm-hmm. also have to communicate with top staff members who all want the the weights train the snc coach wants them in the gym the video coach wants them in the meetings you know the possession coach wants them out so they all mm-hmm. want different things and i think the the consistency of of a leader to say hey we do it this way mm-hmm. and but also to be collaborative enough to get everyone on board is uh is the difference i think in a coach who's maybe uh, stuck in the times that say, "Oh yeah, I'm, I, it's my way," but mm-hmm. yeah, they're walking on the. Is it saying like a, a lonely walk? The different, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, they're, they're taking a walk, whereas Klopp is leading people. Yeah, I can't let you get away with that. With, with I just heard this just now, and I've never. Be honest with you, in all my years, I've never heard of this one. You see, the throwing coach. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he concentrates on throwings. Oh, like this is uh you gotta, <laughs> you gotta let this guy's amazing. So this guy's yes. from um this guy's from Denmark and, and basically uh in the in the podcast he's got he's got a the story is that Klopp Liverpool were the second worst team in the Premier League at throw ins. Mm-hmm. And throw ins isn't just like did they not score from them. No, they, they turned over possession the the oh. second most in the Premier League from throw ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's worked with them for two years or maybe three years and they're now the third best team in Europe in throw-ins and that's retention and goals and uh, but then again you, you listen to him Vin and you're like 
you know, the way he talks, it makes you go, aha. People, and that's the thing for being, how, how humble does Klopp have to be? How open-minded does Klopp have to be? Yes. Say, ah. And not only did he interview him, he, he hired him on the first day. He started on the first day. So he's oh. like, you're going to start right away. He was uh, super impressed then. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's yeah. pretty inspiring that, that again, I think creativity and innovation are hard to get into the game because, you know, we, we've, we've all played it and we all feel it. Uh, mm -hmm. So sometimes to a certain degree, we all think we're humble, but to a certain degree that we all know it all. So to be different and to, to take new ideas on, not just to listen to them, mm -hmm. but take them into our environment and say, ah, you know what? I'm going to change something to bring that person in. That's how much I believe. And I, and I think that's a great message for young coaches yes. who, who would read the book on it mm -hmm. and say it's great, but may not change their daily processes. And I think the change is, the, is where the gold is. And I think that those examples set a standard that I think we should, oftentimes you say we don't have the, the, the resources, the, the, the smaller clubs to get these people in place. But I believe that is a, it's some it's a it's a it's it's a, a level that we should try to even implement not we, we won't have 28 staff members for yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> but in the in the areas we have to get now into the, the attacking coach the defensive coach you know the throwing coach to me i never i never looked at it that way to be honest with you in all my years of coaching and and doing I've, I've, this is the first i'm hearing this and and i'm I've learned something from this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. And I'm not ashamed to say it, you know, because I've never heard of it. it no. We might we might have a we might think about that it is in place, but I've no. never I never look at it that way. Because throw-ins, but when you say that they lost the ball from throw-ins, mm. and that is serious because I lost a, a, a game from a throw-in in a in a in a in a FIFA qualifying game with girls. We had we took a throw-in. In our attacking third, mm. pretty close to their 18-yard line, and the throw was given away, counter-attack, goal. So it, it resonates with me yeah. when you say that. <laughs> yeah, it resonates with me. All right, uh, I'm going to wrap up now. But what I would like from you is to just go over some of the the, the, the areas that you think coaches should um, should address when they're developing um, social repressing again. We, we, let's, go, let's go over those points to, to, to wrap up. Yeah, I think I think your philosophy basically on like, uh, do I want to do it? I, you know, and I think that's it's, just, it's a simple question, but like, do I understand the ins and outs of it? And yeah, it's 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 an it's a risk system like am i comfortable with the space in behind am i comfortable that this is going to take if i go down this road with my team we might you might get bit on the backside for a few games like you might lose a goal or two in the same way that if you if you want to start building from the back you're gonna you know there's going to be a growth period where the mistakes are going to be made and i think that's where you you have to commit to it um, and you also have to measure it, and that's something that we finished the book up with. Is like you can press really well and lose the game four 0 and that can happen. Like you can, and that's that's just soccer. You can press really badly and win a game five 0 Right. <laughs> don't, don't gauge it off the, you know, have have <clears throat> metrics in place, or or have someone watch it. Go back on video and 
you're going to go down a road, be passionate about it because mm-hmm. if you're just doing it because Klopp or Pep does it or have done it, then you know, then the players aren't going to buy in because there's going to come a time that you have to sell this thing. And if, if you're not strong and passionate in your convictions because you're actually asking people to do more work and you're actually asking people to work harder for one another and yes. it's 2020, that's not consistent with how we're built today. So <laughs> yeah. You're going to have people that are like, not because they don't like you or they disrespect you, but you're going to have players saying like, I don't want to make that run. And you're going to have to say, this is why we do it. And this is why it's important to us. But if you're like, well, I'll get someone else who does, then mm-hmm. that's not going to work either. So I think it, it's, it's again, it's there's so much depth to it. But I think the first step is, you know, have a read about it. Think about mm-hmm. what you want your team to look like. And then think, do I want to go down a road of fighting this here? Or would I rather go down a road of, you know, possibly not being on the front foot defensively and conceding more goals because although you might lose, and that's where I say, I think in coach education, we should teach opportunity cost because if we swap the other one out, it doesn't actually necessarily, it might mean less confrontation or less, you know, less having to sell things. Right. We might, we might, we get closer to average. And then if we're closer to average, what's the point? True, 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 true. All right. Um, Gary, it was, Really great talking to you. Loved it, I, mean, I loved it. I loved it. I, I must, before I even go further, I must encourage my, my listeners to go to um, your podcast, Modern Soccer Coach. That's what it's called, right? Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Some excellent topics, some good good conversation. And at the same time, visit Modern Soccer Coach's uh, website. You, you, have, you can uh, purchase books, all the books that um, Gary has written. And I don't, I don't know where you find the time, Gary, but yeah, <laughs> but it's there, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, good, good uh, information for coaches. All these things that we are talking about and we're just talking about, it's just, we just, we just, um, it's a tip of the iceberg. The book itself will give you um, coaching sessions that you can follow and other advice that is very critical to develop your team as a uh, pressing team and not pressing team, forget how you should organize when you want to press. I hate to use the word pressing team, you know, the, the, the phrase. But uh, once again, thanks, Gary. I mean, it was, it was really, really informative. If I learned one thing today, it is about the, goal, <laughs> the throwing coach. <laughs> I look forward to having more discussions with right. you in the, future, in the near future. And um, it was my pleasure having you on. Thank you, Vin. Loved it. Well, thanks to Vin for the interview and please check out his podcast as well on the sideline. He's got some great guests there, some brilliant topics. So yeah, let me know anything there that you agree with or disagree with. We'd love to discuss at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. If you want to purchase a copy of the book, pressingmodernsoccercoach.com slash shop. There's also a great deal there with the webinars that we did over the break as well 25 webinars for just over one dollar a webinar all the tactical presentations for only 30 dollars total modernsoccercoach.com slash shop thanks so much for listening have a great week goodbye thank you for listening to the modern soccer coach podcast for more coaching topics sessions and resources Head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.